0: A lifeguard shortage is affecting public pools across the country. problem of child
1: sex abuse in the Boy Scouts of America. This extremely tight-knit community shattered by gun violence. I don't want another young gymnast, Olympic athlete, or any individual to experience the horror that I and hundreds of others have endured. Closing pools nationwide is causing some unexpected people to step up. Hello and welcome to episode two of Staffing, Safety, and Society. I'm Kevin Trapani.
0: And I'm Paige Backwell.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about supervision, the fourth S, staffing, safety, society, and the big one, supervision. But before we get to that, Paige, I want us to talk a little bit about the issue of the day. Okay. And if you'll allow me, I'm going to talk about what I think the issue of the day is. All right. As you know, I had the chance to, uh, this week to be in Nashville for a couple of days. Great city. Um, uh, it is now true since I was there with a group of people that there are non-bachelorette parties that go to Nashville as well. (laughs) I was among that group, uh, thankfully. Um, I had an amazing experience, and I got the opportunity to see something that I had not put together before. So uh, we spent a bunch of time with a guy named Charlie McCoy, who, unless you are a deep country music fan, nobody knows who Charlie McCoy is. He is among the greatest harmonica players of all time, now a member of the Grand Ole Opry. He's 81, and for 81 years, he has been in the gig economy. Mm-hmm. He goes from session to session and plays music and uh, does his work. And he's able, he has been able to build a career, raise a family, own a home, uh, be well compensated and well rewarded, well regarded. Right. Um, and what I had not understood before about the gig economy was that if you want to create a career of meaning, doing what you love, you have to have mastery, right? It's not enough to just go from job to job. You have to have mastery in order to have autonomy. Mm-hmm. I hadn't put that together. We later in the day spent some time in a little studio with an artist named Megan Lindsay and her producer Tyler Kane. Megan's had a number of top ten hits and uh, a country number one with "Amazing Grace," which not easy to do. Hard to do. Hard to do. <laughs> yes. Uh, and we, we got to hear her live and make a record. It was just a phenomenal thing. And the same thing, we asked them about the business model and country music, and they just talked about um, what you have to be able to do when there are 50,000 songs dropped every day, what, what it takes to, right, to carve out your own way. And again, what they were able to describe is that they want autonomy, they want independence, but they want meaning and purpose in their careers. And so in order to do that, They have to master um, differentiated revenue streams and distribution processes and relationships and technology. Uh, It was really profound. And so for me, the kind of the topic of the day or the topic of the week is the intersection between the gig economy and mastery. And what that means for us and for our customers is that we may have lifeguards who work for us for a summer. That's a gig for them but if they want to be able to have a relationship with the why long-term or the people, they have to be really good. That mm-hmm. mastery. Yep. Right. It's not just a place you park for a period of time. So that was my takeaway.
0: I think that's great. And I think that you have to have that passion to want it, to want to be a master at what you do mm-hmm. every day. Um, mm-hmm. which is I thing rolls right into our topic today of what, what is the mastery of supervision? Cause people in their mind think, oh, I'm just in a room watching kids or I'm in a room watching the pool. It's right. just so much bigger than that, which is what we'll talk about today of, of what supervision means and the mastery around that.
1: Well, that's exactly right. As a segue, remember last week, we talked a little bit about staffing and the challenges in a tough staffing environment in that uh, when people are either inadequately staffed or organizations or the people are inadequately trained or they're inadequately supervised, it compromises safety. And I think we've got a couple of examples today specifically that flow from inadequate supervision. So you want to, want to go first and give an example of what might, what might happen?
0: Sure. I think, you know, I've got an example around where tip when you think of typical camp situation, you've got, you know, kids in a room and you've got a maybe a counselor or someone watching those kids. And what they're doing is they're probably engaging with a few kids over here, talking about some things um, so in their minds they are th- you know they're supervising they're present they're having a conversation but they're not actively looking at what's happening happening all the way across the room and so what right. what Can't happens the in the field. corner they're not seeing the whole field and so what's what's happening in the corner is a couple of kids slip out of the room and find another space they may slip out and find um, another room another outside space and then that's when bad things can happen and what we do in our business every day is, those sometimes those things are sexual in nature. And mm-hmm. so although they were supervising and they're in the room, you've got kids that have disengaged, slipped out, um, some bad decisions, bad situations were made. And now you've got families that are upset that, hey, how did this, how did my kid get in this situation? And I think the, the organization or the camp or whatever would say, Well, we, we had someone there but that's one of the lessons today is how you how are you actively supervising meaning how are you looking at the entire space all the time constantly keeping your eyes and your ears into what's happening who's moving where are they going what are they talking about what are they questioning um right, right. You know, even you know it's hard it's not just okay i've got i'm, I'm responsible for 10 kids and i've counted 10 heads it's what are, where are those 10 heads going? Where are, where are their like, hands and feet going and keeping doing? your eyes on that ball all the time, which is different than just, hey, I'm the supervisor in the room and I know I have 10 heads or I'm, I've got some, I'm having some real good conversation with these two kids over here. And that's just so much more than just the regular supervision that we're all thinking about.
1: Yeah. And Paige, I think it, you know it's difficult for us to talk about these situations, right? Because we recognize that sometimes it can be re-traumatizing. For people right. who may have had this experience themselves. And as we know from the data, a lot of people have had these experiences, but in this particular case that you're describing, when those kids slipped out of the room, it was peers. It was kids who were you know, effectively the same age, but we ended up with, um, them being, I think on their own for five or seven minutes, right. um, and, and they ended up, uh, touching improperly, uh, Absolutely. The behavior was terrible.
0: And look, any parents listening, you and I, both parents, we know anything can happen in five to seven minutes. You take oh, yeah. your eye away for just a few seconds. You can remember, you know, your kid getting away from you for a few minutes, even in your own home and thinking, what, what are they up to? And so yeah. that's just as important in this situation as having to, and I think in this situation, three kids walk out of the room and you not yeah. know where they are for an extended period of time or what's happening. You have no eyes on what's happening when they step yeah. away. Um, it can get really, really, dangerous and crucial and what, you know, what that organization has to respond to.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, we can tell a bunch of these stories, unfortunately, but I think in right. this particular case, um, we had clearly inadequate supervision of the kids. We also just had inadequate staff. We just didn't have enough people. Right. And, and so at a certain point, um, there's ratio, but there's also what do kids have access to? Or are there blind spots? Or are there ways to get out of a different door? Right. We just did not have enough people. I've got another one uh, that I can share, which is, um, a basketball situation. We've got, um, kids playing on basketball court and we probably had the right number of staff in, in, uh, at the gym or in the room. Um, but the game got to the place, where it turned into a dunk contest. Uh, we had a, a hoop that was eight feet and, um, uh, you know, listen, I've played a little basketball my day. And when you see an eight foot hoop, all of a sudden you think I probably can dunk, you know? It's become LeBron
0: James very quickly, don't you?
1: Exactly. (laughs) Let me just say it's 66. I can't dunk on an eight foot hoop anymore. In any event, um, these kids all could. And um, uh, it it was against the rules of this particular organization to dunk. You you just can't do it. Yet we had uh, a staff in the room that allowed them to do it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it, it turned terrible. And there is a case where we had enough people in the gym to supervise appropriately, but they were not aware of the rules. So they themselves were not adequately trained to know what rules to enforce. And we end up with a horrific injury.
0: Right. And we talked about this last time, too, is where those practices and protocols meet is like, mm-hmm. you know, there's a policy, you know, there's rules. Are you training on those policies and rules? Are you reminding people of those policies and rules? And right. then how does that play out in an actual situation where you? you can empower your counselors or empower your staff to say, Hey, that that's a rule. And we, we can't do that here. Right. And this is why. Right. That, that, well, that's a big part.
1: Last week, we said we'd share this kind of stuff. We'd have this conversation where we'd always end up and kind of say, okay, what do you expect me to do? What, what do we do with this? And so when we talk about supervision, what, what are the couple of three things that we want to make sure people take away from this conversation?
0: Yeah. And we've talked about one already. I, I brought up that kind of active focus, that supervision. We're being present in the moment. And it's not just about I'm, top, you know, I'm counting the top of heads to make sure I've got all the people I need, but it's what's happening in the room. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? And even when you're in a room where maybe the ratio is you've got two counselors or two staff members and 10 to 15 kids or whatever that ratio is. How are you communicating with the other staff member right. to say, you know, do you have what's happening over here? I'm going right. to step over here to watch this. That is active all the time, not active in, I'm going to participate in all the games and have fun, but it's right. active in understanding where the crowd is moving, where are those kids and, and members are moving, what are they saying and what are they doing? And so that active right. supervision is something you cannot take lightly you can't just be in the room you have to be actively watching every right. single step every single yeah. ounce of that space and,
1: and using your voice the metaphor right. i think often of although it's getting to be an old metaphor was just peyton manning running an offense right he's back there he didn't just say omaha right right he right. pointed to you get this guy watch that linebacker and and that's where we have to be all day long Uh, you know the other one i'd like people to take away besides active supervision is that we have to be ready to narrow our programming to match the capacity of our staff so i know last week we talked about a, a an aquatic event where we just had um we had very few people in a pool but only one lifeguard and the and the lifeguard was in a place where frankly she just could not see the far side of the pool if you wanted to have somebody in the pool in the far side in the lane you need to have a lifeguard on that side as well, but we didn't have enough lifeguards to do that. And so in that situation, the lifeguard should have felt empowered to say, you know, we're only using these two lanes, right? The other, however many lanes are are closed, or this half of the pool for the uh, aqua aerobics, sort of the case might be in the case of the basketball injury. It might well have been, had we adequately trained that person, we might've just used half of the gym. So narrowing the programming to match the capacity of our staff is a really important concept as well.
0: Right. And I think you have to empower your staff to have that conversation with those people yeah. using your facilities. And like, this is why we've closed the lane. Your safety is first of mind. We don't have many people in the pool today. So we're going to narrow that back. So we make sure we have all eyes on who needs right. it and in, in that moment. So just learning that narrative um, and, and knowing the importance of narrowing that scope. I think learning the narrative is about probably the third thing I would mention is about training. How are you training your staff around that narrative? How are you training your staff of understanding ratios, active supervision, what that means when you have to narrow scope and programming, as well as training them on the policies? And the protocols and and testing them, are they doing that consistently? Are they practicing those protocols all the time? And so how are you testing them on that knowledge? So it's not just training, like check these three boxes, your first day on the job. It's that training that's constant. What safety meetings are you having with them? All of those things that that training piece is huge and it has to be consistent.
1: You know, Paige, we are also jumping around a little bit here because we're talking about supervising the program participants, right? I want to stop those kids from dunking on that hoop, but also then supervising the people who are supervising the program participants. Uh, yes. And so, as a supervisor, I just have to be sure that my people are adequately trained. To your point, mm-hmm. so that we put them in a position to succeed. That's where we're trying to get to with this, right? Well, well and I you think know. On that-
0: Oh, sorry, Kevin, on that point, last week, we talked about, you know, the importance of CEOs being present. Mm-hmm. Managers have to do that too. You should be walking that pool deck and seeing, are they actively supervising? Like having those little, you know, kind of checkpoints with your staff is just as important you as bet. having your staff trained and hearing that message consistently. You bet.
1: And in the moment. Right. Well, thanks. I think that's helpful stuff. Um, we said every week that as we come to the end of our time together, we're going to make sure to not give away our shot. Right. So, So that's this segment. So what, what's your final shot, Paige?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about these past couple of episodes of how important it is to be in the moment. I think I used that as my shot last week of that being present. I think today I want to talk about um, the empowerment that you can give staff. You opened up with that autonomy and, and kind of owning that mastery of your work. And so you can train people and you can um, you know, show them the ropes, but empowering them to own their voice as a, as a supervisor, own their voice as an employee, um, gives them that autonomy that can really um, shape who they are as a leader, not just at your organization for, for a lifetime. And so I think empowering people to do the work well and be well on their way to that mastery is just, um, that's, a, that's a game changer.
1: Boy, I agree completely. And I think, you know, we just have to understand that in the world of youth serving organizations, we have the great blessing of working with a lot of people who will not work for us for 50 years, right? right? They're going to come in and be socialized to work. And so giving them the gift of learning mastery, how to develop mastery allows them to develop that in whatever walk of life they choose or is chosen for them over time. And so that's my shot too. Let's just be sure that in addition to employing people, we develop people, Mm. let's help them to find their passion and to build a mastery. Because when a 16 year old lifeguard or an 18 year old camp counselor engages with a parent to say, Hey, listen, I need you to be closer to your child in the pool. Or I had a little difficulty with young so-and-so today um, those are the challenges that they learn to handle and then they that positions and be able to handle bigger challenges and whatever their next job might be so giving people the gift of developing mastery seems to me to be a great blessing of our opportunity
0: yeah i think and we all deserve that we all deserve that yeah. that yeah. opportunity
1: well fun to talk to you today Paige. Yes. we'll be back again next week okay look forward to it okay Thanks. bye-bye